This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network, hosted by the BatmanUniverse.net. Check out everything related to Batman and the entire Bat family at the BatmanUniverse.net, including news and original content related to comics, movies, television, merchandise, video games, and more. Also, check out some of the other unique podcasts that TBU has to offer. Consider supporting this podcast by becoming a patron on Patreon. Even $1 can go a long way in supporting this content that you enjoy. Look for a link over at thebatmanuniverse.net to offer your support now. And now, on with the show. This is at Tim G311. Uh, my name is Dane, and with me, as always, is the aforementioned at Tim G311. Tim G311, how are you doing? That is me. Yes, I'm doing okay. <laughs> and Dane, I hope I answered your very important Taco Bell Star Wars related question yesterday. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't. I couldn't really remember what uh, what set of movies uh those taco bell toys were for because i remember eating a lot of taco bell trying to get uh the Darth <laughs> Vader helmet uh i never got it i never got it and i couldn't remember which one it was for because i, I was thinking like okay so was it for the re-releases was it for the special editions was it for or was it for the prequels because why would you have a Darth Vader helmet for the prequels and so it, it, it made me sort of question you know mm-hmm. yeah see what i remember mainly from the tie-ins was for the special editions back in 97 they had that contest that was dubbed feel the force where you pull off like a label off a soda cup and then to reveal your prize you put it to your forehead to make it like you're using the force to reveal your prize and most of the time it was nothing <laughs> you either lose or you get like a free nachos or what taco or anything none of the great cash or like home theater prizes but uh, that was the gimmick for the special editions and then i remember so, for, so it, it it was like a peel off thing you yeah peel off like your uh, taco or whatever and you put it to your head yeah uh. i'm sure you'd have to put it to your head to reveal the prize <laughs> but that was what they did in the commercials <laughs> and then for the prequels especially mainly with phantom menace i just remember the big thing was the cut uh, toppers that they had for it where they have a character because it was actually split between Taco Bell, Pizza Hut, and Kentucky Fried Chicken. Like, all three chains were in tie-ins for The Phantom Menace. And each had their, like, own exclusive cup toppers that you would put when you get, like, a large drink or something. I didn't get all of them, but I tried to get as much as I could (laughs) for those ones. My favorite one was Waddle. That was the one I thought I had that looked the best, which I got at Taco Bell. And, of course, I still have to this day somewhere. (laughs) Out of all the characters, why Waddle? I just think he looked the best. Yeah, oh, okay. just, his design. You know how sometimes human characters won't really look that good when they're modeled into like a toy or some type yeah. of object. So, since Wada was an alien, he, I thought he looked the best. Yeah, 
uh, all you have to do is look at any Mark Hamill, Luke Skywalker. Though I will say, he just has one of those faces. He just has one of those faces that they just cannot get right. I will say Oscar Isaac's Poe Dameron gave him a run for his money as far as action figures and toys. Oh, really? Quite capture the likeness, putting it nicely. Hold on. Is, is, is it the Black Series one? Yeah. Because there's a few Poe Dameron figures now, but most oh, of them Oh, wow. Really yeah, nice. it doesn't look... <laughs> 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 wow, that doesn't look like him. <laughs> that's That's bad. <laughs> Looks like he's in his mid forties. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's why I don't really collect too many toys of just actual human characters. I mainly go for the helmeted yeah. ones because <laughs> it's hard to screw those ones up. <laughs> Although the um, bad batch ones uh, look really good. Yeah, um, those do. It, it it doesn't look really like like how they look in the show, but they each like, have their own distinctive, more look. realistic type versions. I yeah. guess you could say for them. Yeah, it actually looks like a face, not like, uh, you know, this Poe Dameron one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so why did uh, Lucasfilm decide to go with, you said Taco Bell, KFC, and Pizza? Pizza? Yeah. Yeah. Why didn't they decide to go with those three and not, you know, McDonald's, Burger King? Yeah. I don't know. Well... well I mean, I'm trying to remember because I know definitely that was only for Phantom Menace. I can't remember what the tie-in was for Attack of the Clones, but I know Burger King was Revenge of the Sith. I've already got a lot of those. Oh, oh really? <laughs> a lot of those toys out were for Burger King. And then the Clone Wars movie, when that came out in 2008, was for McDonald's. So they did kind yeah. of jump around. But you would think McDonald's would be the go-to because they're like obviously the biggest fast food chain out there. Yeah, and, the Happy Meal. The Happy yeah, Meal. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They had some of the biggest... Growing up, movie tie-ins, I remember Batman Returns, Jurassic Park, those were all McDonald's. And obviously Batman Returns was kind of caused an issue for McDonald's to tie it into, yeah. quote-unquote, a dark movie like that. But uh, I guess maybe they were thinking, you know, Phantom Menace is going to be the biggest movie ever, the most anticipated. We can't just have one fast food chain tie-in. We have to have three of them because it's going to be even bigger. <laughs> maybe they're just trying to go big for it because it was such an unprecedented movie at the time. Yeah, and also, like, I was just wondering because, I mean, Taco Bell isn't really known for their kids' meals. You know? Yeah, I don't, do they even have kids' um, meals? <laughs> I don't think they have them anymore. Uh, I think that was just a thing when the uh, movies were coming out, I guess. I guess mm. uh, Phantom Menace was coming out. Yeah. Um, because I don't really recall if they have kids' meals. Yeah, neither do I. Yeah. Yeah, like KFC. I don't think KFC had has kids kids meals. I, th- I kind of remember them advertising like I don't know if they're like kids meals specific, like kids pan sized pizza that were kind of real small and maybe like a small drink or something, like a couple of breadsticks, something like that. Oh, I but see. I'm sure they had something <laughs> that was geared yeah. towards kids. Especially yeah, when you had all the Ninja Turtle promotions. I mean, obviously you're gearing towards kids with that, so they probably have yeah. to have some type of kids' items on there. It it, it must have been a nightmare for the uh, Taco Bell, KFC, Pizza Hut employees um, <laughs> when you know they had these promotions going on with their with their kids' meals. Yeah, I think they had like their own. Ex- 
I can't remember if like they each had their own. I'm just speaking for like the cup toppers I was talking about. If they had their own exclusive one for each restaurant, or if they were kind of shared throughout all of them, and you can go to anyone and get any type. If you were a collector trying to get every single cup topper, if you could check any Pizza Hut, KFC, and Taco Bell, doesn't matter if they're exclusive or not. I don't remember because I know there was a lot of them. It probably was Tim. I I bet you could only get the water. I mean, the, the let's say the young Anakin from like. Pizza Hut, but you had to get like a certain kind of pizza, um, <laughs> and like it had to be like a special thing. It wasn't just like, okay, so like here's your pizza and here's your drink and then here's your uh, topper, you know? Yeah, well, it was good for. I was the perfect time because that's when I first started working at Toys R Us. Was literally yeah. the month Phantom Menace came out, and in the same oh. plaza of the Toys R Us I worked at was a Taco Bell. So I pretty much go there every day for lunch and try to get what cups I could. Did you get sick of Taco Bell? Uh, not really. Because back then I wasn't working full time. So I'd work like maybe a few days through during the week. It wasn't a full work week. So there was a Taco Bell, a Pollo Loco, and a, uh, Carl's Jr. So I try to switch it up a little bit. But during the hype of Phantom Menace and those promotions, I would go to Taco Bell quite a lot. <laughs> Now, were you one of those people that asked the uh, employees, like, oh, what um, thing are, do, do you guys have today? Who do you have today? No, I didn't do that. Um, no. <laughs> I figured I I don't like doing that. Like, what they have is what they have, and I'll see what happens. And then at the same time, too, I figured I'd, I'd be going there enough. So I'd, I'd have to, if there was a different one or new one that came in, I'd probably catch it in time. Uh, I see. I see. Yeah, those those are fun days collecting all those stuff. I remember, like I said, the Batman Returns cup. Those are just plastic cups with artwork on there, no toppers. But I did like how they looked, and they had the toys. And then, of course, Jurassic Park. The next year, I loved those cups uh, with the artwork for the movie. I think those were probably the best ones McDonald's had. But then McDonald's went all out for Batman Forever, as you remember, with those glass cups. Those are probably the best promotional tie-in cups ever <laughs> for fast food. Yeah. Shay, those are really any cool. movie. Yeah, yeah any movie. <laughs> but believe it or not, we're talking about how it's kind of strange that Taco Bell was for Star Wars. The first tie-in promotion I remember was for Batman '89 and Taco Bell. I don't think they really had any specific items you can get. Just like the cups and the wrappings were Batman themed, and because I had the plastic Batman cup, which I still have too. <laughs> I remember like the cinnamon twist wrappers was Batman themed. So at least that was my first memory of movie fast food tie-ins was for Batman 89 and Taco Bell. Well, what's up with Taco Bell? I mean, I, like, why did they have all these promotion or these kids' toys? And then, like, like, like what happened in, in that time? <laughs> I know, right? And now that they just totally eliminated their kids' meals and they don't do anything like that anymore. Maybe they're trying to really compete with like mcdonald's and burger king back then to kind of yeah become a really big fast food chain to stop them and they'd maybe pay extra for the tie-ins to get more eyes on them and get people hooked on the food and then eventually they did and they didn't need the tie-ins anymore or kids meals i don't know <laughs> maybe they realized they couldn't compete with you know mcdonald's or burger king and then they were just like okay let's just do our own thing 
I remember the first Taco Bell or the nearest Taco Bell I had as a kid. It wasn't even a drive-through Taco Bell. You had to order at the window and kind of eat outside. It wasn't even an inside restaurant. <laughs> Taco really? Bell. No, and I remember <laughs> oh. when the first drive-through one opened up. It was like, oh wow, <laughs> we could finally go to Taco Bell and just order drive-through, not have to get out. <laughs> uh the the taco bell nearest to me has the the worst um uh, or you know what uh the 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 one the, there are two taco bells with awful awful drive throughs <laughs> so the one near me uh the first one the one near me it's um it's like you know how you go through the drive through right you sort of turn into the parking lot uh-huh. Order your food, and then you usually make a left, right? You make a left, mm-hmm. and then you make yeah. another left, and then you pay for your food, get your food, whatever, and then you drive off, right? Mm-hmm. So just imagine it the other way. <laughs> so you you go in, you order, you know, and then you make a right, and then you make another right, and you have to grab your food through the passenger side window. What? <laughs> Yeah, oh, man. <laughs> the Bizarro <laughs> Taco Bell drive-through. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 like the opposite. It, I, I I believe that Taco Bell used to be a Pizza Hut before, and now yeah. it's more a Taco Bell. Yeah, yeah. Got, they got to be owned by the same parent company because remember, there's some Taco Bell restaurants that has Pizza Hut items. Because the yeah. one that that was by the Toys R Us I worked at, I remember like a year later they got that. I was like, ooh, good, more food options for me during the week. <laughs> And the, the the second Taco Bell, uh, the, that first Taco Bell, I think they remodeled it. I think they redid it, and it's your normal like left hand driver side <laughs> uh, Taco Bell. But uh, the second one is it's a smaller one. It's in a really really small parking lot, right? So you're on the main road. It is the main main road in the town right uh-huh. and so like you turn off and then it's your typical you know you go in you turn in and then you order your food you make a left and then you make a left another left around the building you, ra- you grab your food but then there is only there's you you make a left i mean you, you order your food you make a left and then you make another left Right, and then you pick up your food, and then you have to make another left to make it completely around the building. <laughs> there's, no, there's no direct way out of the drive-through through there. So then, if it's crowded, it's it's a one <laughs> it's a one exit parking lot, right? Oh, so like if you're <laughs> if it's crowded. Uh, people going into the, the drive-thru are blocking you. You know what I mean? Yep. There's plenty of instances like that where for In-N-Out where I'm at, <laughs> or it's yeah. like it was impossible to get in, or it's actually lines yeah. going out into the street. Yeah, yeah, it goes out into the street, and again, it's the main road that you're, <laughs> that you're, turning, that you're turning onto once you leave the parking lot. And, of course, there's always somebody trying to make a left, I know, and right? There, there's a ton of traffic, and they're blocking you. And there's people behind you trying to get out of the drive-through. There's people coming in, trying to get into the drive-through, and it's like, 
Just make like, a right. And I know. I was around. Say, that is says you just gotta make a right and either do a U-turn yeah. somewhere, just go around. <laughs> you're holding up the line and you're gonna be there forever. Yeah, no, it's like nobody's gonna let you through. I'm sorry, you just cannot make a left. You can't make a left through two lanes of heavy traffic into two lanes of heavy traffic. You know, <laughs> I know you end up spending more time waiting than you would if you made a right and just kind of circle back. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> yeah, uh, that's why I only uh, I only go to Taco Bell because it seems it seems like Taco Bell has like the worst drive-throughs for me anyway. <laughs> so I only go like through. <laughs> <laughs> so I only go through uh, uh, Taco. Bell. I only go to Taco Bell through. Um, like Uber Eats. Uh, yeah. Someone else <laughs> suffered through the drive-through <laughs> line. Right? Awful drive-throughs. Um, yeah. Anyway, that's our uh, fast food review. Yeah. <laughs> drive-through fast food. A new topic. Yeah. <laughs> it is a very important topic, Tim. You know. That's that's all we cover here, and the important topics. <laughs> um. But uh, let's let's do our minute by minute commentary. So Tim, uh, I don't think Lord of the Rings uh, had any fast food tie-ins. So I don't remember them having that. Was it too mature for uh, kids' meal? I wouldn't think That's so, but maybe some thought it would. I don't know, or maybe they thought it wasn't going to be big enough at the time. Maybe to do really? a tie-in. I don't know. I don't know because you figure they announced they're doing three at the same time, right? So like, it's a big movie. Maybe they the, thought it would have its own, you know, oh. specific audience it was catering towards, but maybe not have the mass audience appeal that it ended up having. I don't know. I'm just guessing. Uh, you would think a big movie like that would have a tie-in, but I don't remember any. If there was, I forgot about it. Hobbit? No. I don't think so. Hmm. If there was, it was very low-key. Yeah. Must have been like... You know what? I just did a search, like a Google search right now. It looks like Burger King had some tie-in, tie-ins. For the Hobbit, no, for Lord of the Rings. Oh, for Lord of the Rings. Yeah, it looks like they did back in two thousand one. What did you, what did you get? Like what these plastic it? toys. Oh, like yeah, a, they don't like a Frodo. It's like, or yeah, it's not the cheapest I've seen, but not the greatest either. Yeah. horrible. But yeah, I guess <laughs> they did, man. I just don't remember. You didn't pick them up, Tim. What's wrong with you? you I know, right? <laughs> you're not a real fan, Tim. You didn't go to Burger King back in the late 90s. 2001. Early 2000. Uh, early hey, 2000. Sorry. Hey, man, next month's going to be the 20th anniversary of Fellowship of the Ring. God, it's hard to believe. Yeah. Thanks for making me feel old, Tim. Well, you and me. <laughs> <laughs> I stand corrected uh, on the fast food tie-in, so I guess it did. Yeah. Um, didn't Burger King also have Pokemon? Or was that McDonald's? I want to say McDonald's, but I'm not sure. Hmm. That must have been crazy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, yeah, uh, we're going to do a Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, bit of a minute commentary for this episode. We're going from minute 17 to minute 18. So as always, grab your DVD, your Blu ray, your HD. DVD, uh, your beta tape, your VHS tape, your projector, your laser disc, your blockbuster you know I thought of one that I'm not sure if we used to say and we just forgot to start mentioning it, but one that just popped into my head. Do you yeah. remember the UMDs for the PlayStation Portable? 
Yeah. Yeah. Those the, small discs. Small disc in there. Yeah. White. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. The white plastic anyway. that you'd keep inside. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> I, I bought Silent, one of the Silent Hill games. Uh, I had just gotten my PSP and I bought the Silent Hill game. I, I can't remember which one. There was a Silent Hill game for the PSP, but I bought it with my PSP and I brought it home. And I thought you were supposed to take the white plastic. Me too, off. yeah. <laughs> and I <laughs> broke it. <laughs> I broke it. Um, uh, I had yeah, Spider-Man yeah. 2 on UMD. I think it came bundled with the PSP. So <laughs> that was the only movie I had on there. Uh, yeah, your Spider-Man copy of the UMD. Your Blockbuster rental copy, your Netflix physical subscription copy your dvhs and your vhs dvd converted copy tim never mind the 4k transfers i don't know why you bought that i know you know what i should cancel my order right now before it gets there in two weeks yeah (laughs) because this is the the way that movies are supposed to be watched vhs to dvd converted copy um also wasn't there a format like UHD, right? UHD? Yeah. That sounds familiar. It's supposed to be Ultra HD, maybe? <laughs> but yeah, Ultra I see that listed on some streaming like services, but I think or, it's like... Or am I, yeah, confusing my generations? Is it yeah. different? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your ultra high definition. I know, like, apps like Voodoo uses that term, UHD. So. Yeah. Probably just another term for 4K. Uh, also, uh, was it ultraviolet? Yeah, well, that doesn't exist anymore. That was just like one of the early like digital code redemption services right. where you could. Yeah, like you'd buy the DVD and then you could buy the you buy a digital copy with your DVD. Yeah, or whatever. Yeah, so oh, ultraviolet DVD, uh, digital download. I guess is the <laughs> new one we can add. Yeah, I forgot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, just grab any of those copies um, that you have. Not the 4K transfer of, of this movie. Forget about that. You're wasting your money on that because <laughs> you know you have all these these <laughs> premium. <laughs> it's called premium formats. <laughs> uh, diamond package. I guess you could say. Yeah. Also. <laughs> um. Just grab any of those and just queue it up to the 17th minute. I'm going to give the countdown. So, Tim, are you ready? I am ready. All right. Three, two, one. Hit play. You go through Bilbo's very messy house. You have a nice hobbit hole home and you keep it like that. I mean, come on. Come on, Bilbo. <laughs> it's weird how you just left all of this. Like you left, like, all of his furniture and, like, paintings and stuff yeah <laughs> well, he's probably just going through everything to finish writing his book yeah and just, you know, no time for orderly cleanliness i guess and plus preparing for his birthday party you're probably taking a lot of time it's like here Frodo, you clean this up for me yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and as you remember from reading the books the person knocking on bilbo's door there's a goes in a lot more details about <laughs> Oh, the relationships yeah. between Bilbo and that part of the baggage family. That whole 
that whole beginning is just a real estate dispute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's all Pretty it much. is. You know, everyone complained about, or I think unnecessary complaints about the whole trade disputes for taxation in the Phantom Menace. It'd probably be if Peter Jackson put all that stuff in about real estate dispute. It'd probably generate the same yeah. amount of criticism back then that it Phantom Menace got. Well, plus too, like, yeah, with the Star Wars thing, it was more like, I guess people were going into it, you know, thinking it was more of a kids' movie, and then why do you have, you know, the stuff in a kids' movie, and then, you know, now the argument is it's not for kids, you know. It's for adults. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it all paid off in the end <laughs> for yeah. Lucas's plant story. <laughs> I've said this before, like everyone complains about the Senate scenes and Coruscant, but that's become one of my favorite moments in the entire Star Wars saga. This how Palpatine's plan was like really put into motion there in that moment, and just how brilliant it ended up being. Yeah. I like how ham fisted he was uh, yep. Lucas was in uh Revenge of the Sith, you know, mm-hmm. it's like the Emperor's, I mean, sorry, excuse me, Chance, uh, Chancellor Palpatine, Supreme Chancellor Palpatine is uh, literally destroying the Senate before, yeah. <laughs> you know, he actually does, uh, you know, outright. Yeah, and as Padme says, this is how Liberty dies with thunderous applause <laughs> as everyone yeah. is buying into it. <laughs> Uh, but going back to Lord of the Rings, so like uh, just jumping ahead a little bit, uh, you, you know when Bilbo disappears, like he gives a speech and then he disappears and then mm-hmm. he goes off to the elf place. Um, what are the regular hobbits that, like, what are the regular hobbits supposed to think about that? You know, like, so Bilbo's dead. <laughs> Babies, or that's a good he question. They either figured out crazy Bilbo disappeared, like typical of him, or something like that, but or he's dead and then time to go after his property <laughs> and all his belongings. Yeah, well, I guess the set the, the Sackville Banyan is eventually got what they wanted, they just had to wait a couple of years, right? Because, yeah, Bilbo leaves and then uh, Frodo leaves, so. I guess that leaves them to inherit the, the property. I guess so. I mean, I'm sure it is detailed out by Tolkien, but I can't remember exactly yeah. how that worked out, especially when you throw in the whole scourging of the Shire at the end of the Return of the King and how that played a factor into everything once Roto and the Hobbits came back. Mm-hmm. What, what happened to the property after that? Yeah. Well, I guess the Sackville Bangs is win. You know, they win the Lord <laughs> of the Yeah. Those, um, are, those are real winners of the trilogy, or the trilogy of yeah. Lord of the Rings, right? Yeah. Yeah, they're the only ones that came out, came out positive, you know, in the positive. You know, they didn't have to go fight the war or whatever. Um, and they inherited property, uh, lucrative property, lucrative real estate. And, I think Frodo uh, would have amended it and left it for Sam <laughs> to take over. <laughs> it's like, no, Sam, your house is okay. <laughs> your, <laughs> uh, this is for, I'm just going to leave this for the Sackville Bagginses. Um, so, yeah. Uh, anyway, 
That's our minute by minute commentary, yeah. believe it or not. <laughs> um, now we can move on to our feature topic, which is uh, the new Eternals movie. Um, Tim, not getting very positive reviews. No, which is uh, very surprising to me. It looks really good. Um, uh, Trailer-wise, I, I guess that didn't really transfer to uh, the movie, which is really surprising because, you know, I saw uh, Chloe Zhao's Nomadland, and that one was really good. Uh, you know, it's a really good movie, and it's just weird how this didn't turn out so critically acclaimed. I think this is, isn't this the lowest rated uh, Marvel movie? Yeah, Tomatoes? it is. Yeah. That's the first for Marvel when it comes to like, the Rotten Tomato score. And Low 50, right? Yeah. I think even yeah. the cinema score that came out just last night was I like, got a B. So it's like oh. unprecedented, unprecedented territory for Marvel with <laughs> this one. But, but at the same time. But, but wait, sorry, Tim, I got to say this before, no, go yeah. before you get into your thing. Um, but. Uh, what I am waiting for, I don't care about Rotten Tomatoes, I don't care about Cinema Score. The one thing I do care about is the Tim review. Because and I'll be the all. Tim review <laughs> the Tim review is the final nail in I mean, I I don't know how to put it. It's it's my final uh guiding source to whether <laughs> I see a review. I am so honored you feel that way. <laughs> Have I ever steer- steered you wrong, Dane? Uh, just trying to think. <laughs> no, I don't think you have to. That's the I, right I, answer, yes. <laughs> yeah. You never let me down, Tim. <laughs> so, you know what? I'm going to start off this review, and I'll go into some spoilers, but not all of it, because, Dane, I'm going to start this off by saying I know not every Marvel movie is your cup of tea, and I know we haven't yeah. seen all of them, but you know what? Yeah. I think you would really like this one really? because it is different from any Marvel movie. It's obviously set in the same universe. There's they reference the events, but just its tone and the pacing of it, it is very different than I think any MCU movie thus far. And I think you might appreciate that and the story it's trying to tell. Um, okay, so so in the sense that it's slower, or it's, yeah, it's it's, it's more. Um, not so much focused on like a huge battle. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now I know what you mean. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like you said, I was surprised with the mixed reaction it was getting and kind of leaning towards the more negative side, but I ended up really enjoying it. I think there are some problems with it that keeps it from reaching its potential as being a really truly great Marvel movie. Um, I think it is a tad bit too long because by the time you get into the third act and you're kind of waiting for things to get going there, uh, because pretty much the whole movie is really kind of, let's get the band back together <laughs> type of story. Them trying to meet up with the past members of their Eternals family because of the conflict that is brewing in the story. And I felt it kind of took a little too long to get all that done and settled to where they're really going to focus on the main conflict. And I think certain things could have been edited down here or there to kind of make it feel a little more uh, concise and not have that point where you're at the third act to have that feeling of saying, okay, let's kind of get moving and get things picking up here. But um, overall, and there are some subplots in there that I felt could have been left out, especially one with kind of the main villains of the story, because kind of what I appreciated about it for the most part, it didn't 
have like a, your typical main antagonist that's kind of going through and that the heroes are trying to go after. There is kind of on a grander scale, but the conflict is really amongst themselves and their group and what they've been through. But yet they at the kind of near the end, they threw in this antagonist that they'd have to go up against in a physical a battle that you would kind of see in your typical superhero movies, which I felt wasn't really needed. Um, it was kind of meant to be, I think, an emotional payoff for something that happens with Angelina Jolie's character, Athena, that didn't quite work for me and just kind of something that was added that didn't need to be and kind of where if you remove that, it would have felt like a more concise uh, story by the time you got to the third act. So that was kind of one of my main issues with it. But Tim, oh, can I ask you a question real quick? Go for it. Um, is the main complaint that um, I don't know how to put this, where it's like it doesn't have these sort sort of like connections where you're planning seven movies <laughs> ahead, right? So like you see like a I don't know a carrot on the ground, and it's like <laughs> that's the secret carrot for the. <laughs> secret boss or the bad guy that is the ultimate bad guy that also ties in with X-Men where it, 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 you know they're also trying to fight him but then you find out it's Jubilee's dad and then you know it, it, it also ties into the Spider-Man one because Spider-Man Peter Parker is in love with Jubilee and he, he has to fight her dad you know that sort of thing is that the complaint? Wow. Or, or, wow. or like they're they're like it doesn't have the seeds of seven movies that they're trying to do. Uh, they're, they're they're trying to plan ahead for. Is that what the main complaint about it is? Or is I've it heard. So well, first else? off, that sounds like the Dane Marvel Cinematic Universe sounds crazy that I want to see it, but <laughs> <laughs> well, the entire universe is based off a of carrot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I think you know I have seen some of that. I don't know if I want to say complaints, but stuff I've seen in some reviews is saying how it does kind of feel like its own thing in the Marvel universe mm -hmm. where the yeah. few references they have, if they weren't there, you'd think it's its own movie. But there are, there definitely is some setups in there, especially when you get to the end credit scene, the mid and end credit scene, they're definitely setting up future stuff um, with these characters. And then some potentially big ones that <laughs> were introduced. That was a huge surprise to me in the mid credit scene. And it it ends on a cliffhanger too. That's the thing, because I've heard people say, you know, it. I even I think the producer of the movie kind of said a sequel may not necessarily like or may not be necessary for this type of story we're telling. But it's like, did you see the ending of your own movie? It's like there's definitely needs to be a sequel. And the I know how at the end of every Marvel movie you'll say, you know, Spider Man will return, Captain America will return. It said the Eternals will return, so <laughs> we're gonna see him again. Yeah. But yeah. But I don't think not as as much as you've seen in previous Marvel movies. It was trying to tell its own story that I originally thought would would have a sense of finality to it if we didn't get like the last minute of the movie <laughs> where things kind of end on a cliffhanger. But to uh, your point, I would say that maybe were some expecting that it didn't get quite as much as maybe they were expecting, like your typical MCU movie. Yeah, because like I said, I, I don't really care about that. You know, because I don't understand the reference. Like that Avengers movie, it's like that mid credit scene where you see Thanos. That's his name, right? Thanos. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. 
um, do, do, I don't know, looking at the camera or whatever. It's like, I have no idea who that is. <laughs> yeah, I don't really care. Oh, that um, was such a great tease. <laughs> yeah, and it's, 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 it's like, yeah, I don't really care about that stuff. And, and that was my main, you know, thing going into these Marvel movies. Like, mm-hmm. is it going to be too much? Like, they're trying to set up seven or eight Marvel movies that will come out, you know, in the next 15 years mm-hmm. that I, I just won't have the reference for. Um, and are they going to spend too much time on it? You know, no, they definitely don't spend too much time doing that. If anything, it's just pretty much setting up like their own sequels or continuing stories with their main characters. The only one there is a character played by Kit Harrington, who also yeah. Dane. I mean, you got to love this. We got I a know. big character named Dane in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. <laughs> so this is instantly my favorite Marvel movie, my favorite movie possibly ever, Tim. Because yeah. <laughs> Uh, you know, I just love I, I just love the Eternals. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even need to finish my review, right? <laughs> I just love the Eternals, you know. Uh, would have been better if Dane DeHaan was in it. <laughs> Dane, um, played by Dane DeHaan. <laughs> uh, Claire Danes, <laughs> playing, playing somebody, uh, you know. But yeah, yeah. Uh, my, my, my favorite Marvel movie before I even see it, then. You know, and I they, just have to say. He doesn't have a big role. He's in it a lot in the beginning, but yeah. they definitely set him up where he's going to be in more movies. And they do say his name a lot, too. So you at least got that. <laughs> Is he the bad guy in that? No, he's not. Oh, okay. So he's part of the team or whatever. He's not part of the team. He's he's a character who's probably much, like I said, he's the one that they set up to have his own, out of his own movies. But yeah. something, a voice you hear in the end credit scene um, makes you believe he's going to be in that character's movie, which I don't think you'd be too upset if I spoiled this. So, but I'll throw the spoilers are warning out here. Um, so Dane Whitman, the character Kit Harrington plays, oh, his superhero sorry. name is. Bl- I, I I thought you were talking about me. Sorry, <laughs> I was going to get confusing now, right? Yeah. So his superhero character is the name the Black Knight, and they kind of tease. He makes a tease at the end, you know, like I haven't told you everything about me. Then at the end credit scene, I'm not too familiar with the character. I haven't pretty much read many, if not any, of his stories in the comics. I just know of his name. And he has the sword. I believe it's called the Ebony Sword. Um, I think that deals with killing vampires. And so I didn't realize this when I heard the voice, but he's like hesitant to pick up the sword. And as he's about to, you hear a voice says, like, are you sure about that, Mr. Whitman? And I, I didn't recognize it right away, but... Um, it was revealed, and it was con- even confirmed by Chloe Zhao, the director, who said that that was Arshahala Ali's voice saying that. And we know he's going to be playing Blade in the MCU. So they are setting up, I think, the Black Knight character to be somehow connected with Blade in his series. So I think that's the main thing where you're talking about, that setting up something that's separate from the Eternals. But um, someone will still have, with his relationships, see some of the characters will still play a part in that corner of the Marvel universe too, I think. And I know something funny then. Uh, so this character Dean, the character Dean, not me, Tim, not me. <laughs> Thank you for uh, clarifying. <laughs> uh, he, his character is known as the black Knight. Uh, when I was going to high school, the, uh, <laughs> the mascot for my high school is the black Knight. 
<laughs> uh oh, this is getting a little too much to be coincidences, I think. <laughs> I, I think I wrote the character, Tim. I think yeah. I created the character. <laughs> but, hey, um, you got to start getting more familiar with this character because he might blow up to be one of the bigger MCU characters. You never know. I know. I mean, I, I guess I have to do my research on on the Black Knight, um, you know, because he's going to be the new Thanos. Right? He's gonna. <laughs> no, he's, he's not gonna be a villain. He's gonna he's be the gonna new. Be he, he's yeah. Okay, I'm sorry, Tim. He's gonna be the new Iron Man. There you go. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. He, he he's gonna be the one that anchors all of these new Marvel movies. Uh, Dane is gonna be the, the center point for all of this. Uh, that's something I can get behind. Suddenly, <laughs> I'm the biggest Marvel supporter that's ever lived. <laughs> um, but um. This this upcoming Blade movie are are, are they going to make it a PG thirteen movie or are they going to make it like a straight R movie like the Wesley Snipes sons? I, I think they'll probably still try to continue the PG thirteen rating. So uh, they can easily do vampires movie that's PG thirteen. Yeah, yeah. You figure they, especially that last Avengers movie, they got away with a lot. You know, like all the death and the swearing and stuff. Was there so, much swearing? I don't remember the swearing, but <laughs> that's the only thing I remember from that. <laughs> <laughs> so, I I remember correctly, yeah. Captain America did swear more than he's used than he usually does. <laughs> I will say that. Oh, you, you know what I or I, I sort of got halfway through um is um I almost said uh, Scarlet Widow. Oh Scarlet Widow. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Black Widow. There sorry. you go. Yeah. Uh, the uh, Scarlett Johansson movie, which is why I said Scarlett Widow. So, got a couple questions for you in the middle of your Eternal <laughs> <laughs> Hey, what else is new, right? <laughs> of course. I always have questions about these movies because Tim knows more about these Marvel movies than I do. So, the origin story of Black Widow in these movies is her father was a Russian spy. Their whole family was a spy family. Mm-hmm. Sort of like the illegals program. Uh, and he was spying on like a chemical or like a technology place, right? Yeah, like then, experimental formulas and stuff. But... Okay. And so they get caught, and then they get taken to Russia, I guess. Or no, they escape. Uh, yeah, they escape. They were Cuba. almost got caught by, by the U.S. Yeah. government, but yeah. And so, like, how come um, David Harbor has like Superman strength? He's pretty Superman. much. He's pretty much like the Russian version of Captain America. They tried to make their own super soldier serum. It wasn't perfected like Captain America's was. But it was enough to oh. give him superhuman strength than any normal man would. And that's why he kind of always compared himself to Captain America in the movie and kind of always wanted to <laughs> meet Captain America to prove he was better. I see. And so, and so like, so they get to Cuba, they, get, they go back to Russia, and then, or they get to Cuba, and then there's like a separation of the family. And then. Uh, because uh, you know that they're not a real family, right? Oh, they're not? No, they're not related at all. They were just oh. put together by the Russian government to kind of pose as a real family in America, but they are not, none of them are related. 
Oh, I see. So Scarlett Johansson knows, but then her sister, I forget her name, <laughs> um, doesn't know. Uh, yeah, well, eventually she does because she was young there. So I think yeah. she definitely really bought into the real, whole real family aspect of it. Okay, and then so they never see each other again, and then they they get like their superhero training uh, from the Russian government, and then uh, oh, superhero term used loosely in that scenario. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and then like there's like a whole other movie that happened in that time period, right? Because David Harbor is in prison. Yeah, <laughs> and then like they have to go and rescue him. Mm, yeah, but for what reason though? Like, like, what was the reason they had to go? And yeah, uh, yeah, because I can't remember because I only saw it once, but yeah. I believe it was either to find uh, the person who posed as their mother, um, or for the location of where the main head of uh, the person in charge, like the Black Widow program, was located. I forget the exact reason, but it was all to get to that point because they find out the person who is ahead of like the black room or the red room um, is still alive and they're trying to stop him because he's uh, still has that black widow program going and capturing these innocent young girls and using them as his weapons for essentially as assassins and they want to put a stop to it but I can't remember why they needed to get to their David Harbour's character first if it was to find their mother or you know fake mother (laughs) or to find a location of the main a person in charge of the Black Widow program. Okay, so the Black Widow program, right? So, so that's just training women to become assassins for yeah. the um, that 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 one guy with the glasses. Mm-hmm, yeah, uh, his organization that he has. Yeah, but then there, there's like a I don't know some sort of like injection thing that you can take that will break you from that sort of training or whatever or yeah like well yeah because they are brainwashing you do that <laughs> like yeah, that was right, like the right. thing he was doing and that so, like, formula was able to get breakthrough yeah so at, at some point scarlett johansson's sister takes that injection or whatever yeah because they show in the beginning of the movie she was attempting to assassinate one of the black widows who was free was going to expose that formula out and then before uh, Black Widow's sister, Yelena, killed that assassin. Yeah. Uh, she got doused with that formula that cleared her mind of. So. Oh, I see. Now, I, I, I wish they explained that in the movie. I don't think they really... It's all right did. there. <laughs> really? You said you were distracted by something else while you were watching it. <laughs> uh, maybe I was... Yeah, maybe I was distracted. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, so... Who is that? I, I guess without spoiling, who is spoiling it? Who who is that uh, assassin guy person? Taskmaster, the one with the mask, the skeleton mask. Yeah, the one where he or she attacks Scarlett Johansson yeah. in Norway on that yes. bridge. So you, you haven't finished the movie yet, right? No. So with, yeah, so I I can't say it without spoiling it. <laughs> uh, it's the mom. It's the mom. You'll find yeah, out. I got it. I got it, Tim. I can neither confirm know, nor deny. I know how stories work, Tim. You know, <laughs> I know how stories work. And 
you know, it'd be a great payoff in the third act if uh, that was the mob that they were looking for. <laughs> well, you're just going to have to find out. Yeah, because, uh, I don't know, I, I was just looking at the, the uh, what is it called, um, the cast list. Mm-hmm. And it's either Olga Kur- Kurlenko, because I've heard her name before, <laughs> or it's uh, Rachel Weiss, <laughs> the mom. Uh-huh. So I think it's the mom, Tim. I'm sorry. Well, again, I won't spoil it for you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, sorry. Back to Eternals. Yes. Which no connections to Black Widow, I will say that. <laughs> really? They should have connected it somehow, like... Like, uh, I don't know, Scarlett Johansson's mom is also uh, the person that discovers the Eternals. Uh, But then she also uh, gave Tony Stark the idea that, uh, I don't know, that you could fly using your hand, your, your, your jet hands and your jet feet. And she also, Tim, I don't know if you know this, but she also told Thanos that you got to do something with your chin. You know, that, that look doesn't really work. You got to, you got to cover that up with like a mask. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry, David. That's not quite as good as your carrot Marvel universe. <laughs> uh, it's going to be hard to talk about. I'm sorry. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> but anyway, Back to what actually happens in the Marvel Cinematic Universe with the girls. But no, what I really dug about the movie was just its core story that it had with this group of Eternals, how they were there from pretty much the beginning of history with mankind, and they were there to protect them from these creatures called the Deviants, and that's all they were there to do. They couldn't interfere with anything else. Any human conflict, they'd have to leave them to their own devices and own circumstances. But if those Deviant creatures tried to attack and wipe the humans out, they were there to protect them. And so um, once they wiped them out, I believe it was um, like in early, like 500 BC, or not 500 BC, but uh, a little bit like 500 AE, something like that, <laughs> where they wiped them out. So they had like a good 7,000, like they've been there 7,000 years, but they haven't got a good 5,000 or a few centuries or a few millenniums without having to deal with the, deviants where they could just live amongst mankind in secret and they even explain why or say why they didn't get involved in any of the conflicts we've seen in the mcu like with thanos they said like i said they were only there to stop the deviants and couldn't interfere with any human activities so the movie plays out in a non-linear fashion too where you get flashbacks thrown out here and there um but from their time together and the different eras of humankind and then it would jump back to the present day as you catch up with certain characters where they're at now because they eventually do all separate and go on to live their certain lives. Some pair up together, like Angelina Jolie's character, Athena, and the character Gilgamesh. Um, They go off on to live together because he has to protect Angelina Jolie's character um, because she has, she's having like these memory, uh, memory conditions where the millennia of living, like the memories are kind of, becoming too much and it causes her to go crazy at certain moments where she attacks the team. And so Gilgamesh, he's the strongest character. So he's there to kind of literally knock her out <laughs> or knock some sense into her when that happens. And so they kind of become close as they 
go off on their own ways. Um, Richard Madden's character, Icarus and Cersei, they're the two uh, main characters of the stories. They're the ones that have like, there's a love interest of this that um, kind of is the core of the story of what happens at the end. And what the story, what I loved about it is kind of the twist that gets revealed later on as far as what their main purpose was uh, to be on Earth all this time and to fight the Deviants. Let's just say it's a lot more complicated than that. And there's some betrayal that goes on with some of the members of the Eternals. So a lot of interesting stuff that goes down in that main core story of why they're there and their purpose in the Marvel Cinematic Universe um, that ties into like the greater lore. I shouldn't say tie in, but kind of expands on the greater lore of the MCU and the beings called the Celestials, which we've seen glimpses of in Guardians of the Galaxy. We've uh, seen a Celestial in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 with Ego. So, but this one, this movie really dives into their history and kind of how they come into being and uh, their purpose in the universe, which I kind of really dug at how it peeled back some layers of the history of the galactic universe of the MCU, which was pretty cool. So I really liked all that stuff. And just the characters are really great too. And just how each one, their personalities and kind of their view on humankinds and how um, they viewed their purpose and what they should be doing. Um, two, two of my favorite characters actually weren't the main ones, but I thought were the most interesting. Um, one of them was named Druig, where he's someone who can control the mind of any humans, even like a group of humans too. And he was always in conflict with himself and the other members of the Eternal because when they'd see man kind of ruining themselves and fighting all these wars, he would say, I could easily stop this. I can control them, make them stop. And you know, there's none of this war, fear, greed, all the stuff would go away if I could use my powers. But the other Eternals wouldn't have it because they were instructed not to interfere with any of this human conflict. So when they go their separate ways, he doesn't do it on a global scale, but he kind of creates this own village in uh, in the Amazon where he does have these group of people with him. And from time to time, he does take control of them to either protect themselves or to uh, there's other circumstances where he would. That was the main reason when they were attacked. He controlled this group of people and used them as kind of to protect themselves with these guns to fight off the enemies. But um, it just brought up an interesting conflict, I felt, between him and the rest of the Eternals and should you use your power for that <laughs> to kind of create a greater good, but at the same time you can't interfere and you're taking the free will away from these people. So that his character I really liked. And then the character Sprite, who is kind of like this teenage girl who's an Eternal and lives forever, but she's always going to be a teenage girl. She'll never grow up. And just the struggle that she has with that, seeing all the other members of the Eternals kind of be adults and stay young and she's stuck in this age we're living that long you can understand how frustrating it would be not growing up and she even says she expresses that by the time you get to the end of the movie is how she wants to grow up she wants to fall in love start her own family just everything that you experience in life she can't do and just by the time you get to the end and certain things start happening in the movie where the characters like there becomes a real big divide between the characters and you can kind of understand what side she chooses even though it might not be the right one but you kind of feel for her so those are two of kind of the more secondary characters that i really find myself really enjoying their stories then some you have some of the other ones who are more of the comedic aspects of it like uh, kumali nanjani if i'm saying his name right his character kingo he was more i guess the comedic side 
of things amongst the group of the Eternals, but he had some funny moments too. So um, yeah, I really dug its core story and the group of characters we got were introduced here because I wasn't familiar with the Eternals from the comics and I was going to let this movie be my introduction to them. And I felt it did a good job of that, of making most of the characters uh, interesting that you could follow and get into their story. And I, from doing some history on the, a little bit of research on the history of their comic book origins, when they were created by Jack Kirby, the movie did some different stuff with them. And I think for the most part, the move, I like what the movie did a little better. Um, there was one aspect that I felt I could have done without, which is in regards to kind of their creation and where they came from, um, because they are serving the one of the Celestials and it gets revealed how exactly they came to be. For the most part, I like their history, but there's one aspect that I wish was done. They didn't have to throw in there. So um, I won't say what it is, because, again, I think you should see this movie day not knowing all the big twists and turns that it has. But um, that was one aspect of like one reveal that I felt eh, I don't know if that was really necessary. Um, so, yeah, I overall enjoyed it. I can understand why there's some that might not like it and how it is kind of divided amongst those who are seeing it. Um, there are elements I thought could have made it even better if uh, certain things were done differently, like removing a subplot here and there with the villains of the deviants and how their story kind of ultimately played out. And then uh, the pace kind of like trimming down a little bit where it wasn't so long, especially in the third act. So, um, but overall, it's something I enjoyed. I'm glad uh, this corner of the Marvel Cinematic Universe was introduced and is being explored. And I look forward to seeing where the story goes with these characters. Because like I said, I, <laughs> the movie definitely ends on a cliffhanger where you're going to see uh, some sequels. Or I don't know if sequels, I think there will be, but maybe just showing up in different Marvel movies here and there where the stories will connect. So, And I talked about the uh, post credit scene with... Uh, Kit Harrington's character, Dane, and how he was hesitant not me, to... Not me. Not me. Sorry, yeah, not to not confuse me. with you, Dane. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and how his character looks to kind of be connecting with Blade, but the mid credit scene, um, that's really pointing towards the future of the Eternals, and they introduced a pretty big character <laughs> in the Marvel comics and connection to uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe that should be pretty big moving down forward uh, or down the, down the road in... Uh, future movies so that should be really interesting to see played out so yeah that was my review for eternals i overall i'd probably give it um a solid three and a half out of five um definitely like i said i enjoyed it just it didn't quite i think reach its potential of greatness that i think was there if certain elements were done differently oh and the last thing i'll say about it uh and i think this goes for everyone in my theater too uh, it was great seeing Kit Harrington and Richard Madden on screen together again. Jon Snow and Rob Stark <laughs> sharing uh, the screen together once again. Uh, it didn't get like a full-blown clap and cheer in my theater, but it definitely you could definitely hear some like claps and like uh, sense the joy people were seeing when that moment came on screen where they were uh, in a scene together. So that was a lot of fun. If I'm remembering correctly, <laughs> If I'm remembering Game of Thrones correctly, don't they only show like a couple of scenes in that entire show? Yeah, just the first two episodes and that's it. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, you would think brothers would have a little more scenes together, but I mean, sorry, not brothers, Sam. <laughs> Half brothers. Cousins. <laughs> Cousins. Oh, I was going to say, you know, keeping in without 
uh, what oh. would reveal later on in those first two episodes, Half Brothers. But you're right, yeah. <laughs> Cousin. Oh, sorry. Spoiler, Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so I guess I'll watch it then. Yeah, I, so, I, was, I, I was a little on the fence, you know, because all these negative reviews came out. Mm. And I wasn't sure what it was that made it have so bad reviews, so many bad reviews. You know, I, mm-hmm. I thought maybe because people were complaining that it didn't have these connections, you know, like I was saying. But was it more like a a pacing thing where it's like uh, it, it it moves slower, which puts it in conflict with everything we've seen from the Marvel Universe so far, where everything is just boom, 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 boom. Um, and we're on to the next story and then the next story, which was planned in the first story, which was planned in the fifth story and the seventh story. And, you know, I just thought it, oh, maybe it was a thing where I was like, uh, the, the pacing or the Easter eggs or something. But I, I guess just judging from your review, it's it's mostly in the final act that it, it, it sort of gets long in the teeth, I guess you could say. Yeah, at least for me it did, yeah. It just all didn't come together as neatly as I think it could have been. Yeah. Like I said, uh, I don't know if you remember this, Tim, but I think this is the Marvel Universe's The Last Jedi. <laughs> you know what? It kind of is. <laughs> I've yeah. already seen some extreme reactions to it. The people absolutely hate it, the people absolutely love it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, I guess we can move on to our news. I mean, we, we just had two things that uh, we didn't mention last show that we, we somehow forgot about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, with all the trailers and everything, Tim, how dare us, right? I know. There's well, that's uh, the problem. You get so many great stuff, and you don't write show notes for it <laughs> like I used to. <laughs> you forget about certain things. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, I don't know, what, what do you want to start with, Tim? Well, so yeah, let's start with, because what we forgot to talk about on our last episode regarding DC fandom was the two video game trailers they showed for uh, the Suicide Squad Kill the Justice League by Rocksteady and Gotham Knights um, by Warner Brothers Montreal, I believe, is it? Um, so let's start with the Suicide Squad one, because um, this one is so far... I'm a little frustrated with it <laughs> because I, I said when it was first revealed, the Suicide Squad game is not on the top of my list for uh, what Rocksteady's knowing what great developers they are to tackle in the DC universe. And we still haven't really seen much of the gameplay aspect of it. It was pretty much just another cinematic story trailer. And what this one, what makes me frustrated about it is, is obviously it's called Kill the Justice League. You know, they're going to go up against the Justice League. And just how we saw Superman in the first trailer being mind controlled to look like by Brainiac, but in this one, they really went full blown and showing the Justice League members you're going to go up against. We get to see Wonder Woman, we get to see Flash, we get to see Green Lantern, Jon Stewart, and all that stuff looked awesome. And then all seeing all that, it made me think, man, I wish we were Rocksteady was just doing a Justice League game <laughs> because I know they'd kill it. And that's uh, what I'm just not sold on the story because. We've gotten a lot lately of what if Superman was evil? What if the Justice League turned bad and all that stuff? We've seen that before. And I know it's going to be different to play as play as a Suicide Squad fighting the Justice League in a video game, which has never been done. But 
I to me, I'd be more excited if you were actually playing the Justice League and Rocksteady was doing just a full blown Justice League type story set in the Arkham universe. I mean, maybe that was co op, like the Suicide Squad's going to be. I mean, how awesome would that be? So, it's just kind of my thing of not being super excited about the concept of playing the Suicide Squad going up against the Justice League. But I mean, visually, the trailer looks great. Uh, seeing the Justice League in the Arkham universe looked awesome. There were some funny moments with the squad. I'm not going to deny that. That moment where they're all pretending that Penguin's running away, but he's really uh, incapacitated because they just want to see him get shocked more. That was funny. So Rocksteady is capturing that Suicide Squad humor, and I'm sure it's going to be fun to play. I mean, I have no doubt about that. I mean, it's Rocksteady. So it's just the overall concept of the game that just doesn't have me super excited. And just seeing this trailer made me wish uh, they were doing it Justice League because that would be amazing. Yeah, I'm good on that. Um, um, uh, yeah, I think I'm good on the uh, uh, both games. Uh, this uh, Suicide Squad one and this uh, Gotham Knights one because... I don't know. They they just seem so close to the um, the the Arkham games. You know what I mean? Yeah, but isn't that kind of like a good thing about it too? Because uh, obviously, it's set in the same the Suicide Squad one, set in the same universe. But uh, the Gotham Knights one, that's again, that was more a story trailer too. But I just really like how they're capturing the feel of the Court of Owls. From the classic Scott Snyder, Greg Capullo comics, I just think they're really doing a great job of just capturing the atmosphere and the like, creepy mood of it, of the Court of Owls, of what they represent. So I'm really excited about that one from both the story aspect and the gameplay aspect as well, because I definitely would rather play as the Bat family members over the Suicide Squad members. So I'm definitely more excited for Gotham Knights. I think that one's looking really good. What if you could only play as Ace? You know. <laughs> Like, like you can play as Nightwing, you can play as Batgirl. You can only play as this. I wouldn't mind. Have you ever played that Capcom game, Okami? No, no, I it's, haven't. It's the one where you play as like that White Wolf. It's like yeah. really explores in like Japanese like uh, fantasy stories and lore. It was really good. The art style on it was great. It came out in two thousand six, so it's kind of old. But that you're just playing as a wolf in that one, so. And that game was fun. If it's the right developer, even if you're just playing as a dog, I think it could be really fun. So, <laughs> Is that a um, PS5 cat game coming out? So, That's right. Oh, I can't wait for that one. <laughs> That's going to be... What is that called? What is that? Oh, what is it uh, called? Is it I'm the name of me. a cat? I know. It's not just... It's not called cat game. I know that. <laughs> let, let, let me look see. it up real quick. It is Stray. That's what it's called. Sure. Yeah. The only so thing I wish about that game, I wish it was yeah. you get to customize your own cat, so it can make it like your personal cat that you have. <laughs> that oh, would make you it more. Make like a, like an orange tabby or a gray tabby. <laughs> yeah, or a tuxedo cat, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a third-person adventure game in an open world, uh, with a focus on atmosphere, exploration, and art. Player controls a stray cat who falls into a world populated by robots and ventures to return to his family. They must solve puzzles to progress the narrative, including moving obstacles and traversing platforms. Player is accompanied by a drone companion named B12, who can assist by translating the language of the robots and storing items 
found throughout the world. One of the game's enemies are Zerks, who will attack the player in vicious swarms. I hope the cat doesn't die. Oh, that'd be the cat. biggest bummer. It yeah, can't. No. No. <laughs> Maybe it just they, know that, they know that it's so, upset so many, or I should yeah. say so many, it would upset every gamer who plays the game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, definitely my... Uh, forget about Call of Duty. Forget about Battlefield. Forget about Gotham Knights or whatever Bethesda is doing. This game is the one to buy a PS5 for. <laughs> you say that as a joke, but I don't know. It's, it looks like a really great, unique gaming experience. And I'll, I'll say it, this might sound blasphemous, but I'm more excited about that one than the Suicide Squad killed the Justice League. There, I said it. <laughs> <laughs> what is this uh, Ghostwire Tokyo? I'm not too familiar with that studio. Ghostwire Tokyo. Oh, it's about ghosts. Oh, I thought you were talking about the studio. <laughs> oh, no. It's oh, uh, okay. this game called Ghostwire. Oh. <laughs> uh, colon Tokyo. Uh, anyway. Yeah, so so I guess that's it for our, our uh, news, Tim. Um, the only a couple of things I'm actually just remembering. Um, it was announced that... Uh, like Brendan Fraser is going to be playing the main villain in the background movie, which looks to be Firefly, which I think is some pretty cool casting. Cool that we're going to hopefully get Firefly in his full-blown armored costume from the comics, because I do like that design. And then Brendan Fraser, <laughs> I think, will be great in the role. He's awesome as Robot Man in uh, Doom Patrol, which I haven't started season three. I need to get started on that. But uh, I think he should be good in that. Uh, so more news coming out of the background movie. And then... An official synopsis came out for The Batman a couple of days ago, where it's being described as The Batman is an edgy, action-packed thriller that depicts Batman in his early years struggling to balance rage with righteousness as he investigates a disturbing mystery that has terrorized Gotham. Robert Pattinson delivers a raw, intense portrayal of Batman as a delusion, desperate vigilante awakened by the realization that the anger consuming him makes him no better than the ruthless serial killer he's hunting. So yeah, I think that aptly describes what we've seen in the trailer so far <laughs> and the kind of Batman we're going to see uh, from Robert Pattinson, which yeah, it just has me excited to see this performance because I, obviously we've talked about this when we did our trailer review that he's a Batman that's out of control. But in this moment, I think we're just going to see some major growth with the character by the time we start this movie and by the time we finish it. Um, as this even says, he comes to the realization that this anger he has is making him just as ruthless as the villains he's going to be facing in the movie. So uh, I say a pretty apt synopsis <laughs> for the for what we've seen so far from the Batman. But still kind of cool, cool to get. And this one of those little things that makes you realize we're inching our way closer to the release of the actual movie. So <laughs> uh, this was nice to get earlier in the week. Again, what about Paul Dano? I think you can assume that he is the ruthless serial killer that is mentioned in the synopsis here. I don't think that's too far of a stretch to assume that. <laughs> that's pretty much a given. I mean, yeah, like they have a Riddler and then that, that sort of news clip that they, that they have in the second trailer where it's like, you know, serial killer live, live streams or something. Mm. So, yeah. 
I just wonder why we we, we don't see his face <laughs> again, again, Tim. Why don't we see his face? We'll see if they keep it up in the marketing for the movie. Like if they release any TV spots, clips, if none of those have any hints at Paul Dano's face as the Riddler. Which I will yes. say, I was a little, I was a little disappointed seeing Eternals last night that I didn't get the Batman trailer. I was hoping I'd get it, but to no avail. I did see the two posters though, hanging side by side. The red ones with uh, Batman and the Riddler on the other side of it. So that, so that was cool to see. I wonder if they would cross prom- promote like that. You know, have a have a Marvel movie with a Batman trailer in it. Well, I've seen some people who saw Eternal saying they got the Batman trailer with it, which got me hopeful that <laughs> I would see it oh, too, right. but unfortunately not. Did you have to wear a mask? When you, you don't have to. Away? You don't have to, yeah. but I did anyway. <laughs> yeah, I see. Still a mask mandate here. Oh, yeah, I, I think that's for the best. I kind of wish we still had one, but I'm <laughs> I'm going to be wearing my mask for the foreseeable future, even when things like really start getting better and it's gone. I just... It's kind of become a socially acceptable look now where me kind of yeah. being a germaphobe anyway, <laughs> I prefer to wear it going out to public spaces. So even though I'm fully vaccinated, I, places don't mandate it. I still wear it everywhere I go. Still do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, all right, Tim. I guess that's our new section. Now we can get into our review section. Yeah, uh, we actually have one to review this time. <laughs> <laughs> um, so like we say at the end of, I mean, like we say, uh, before every review section, there's going to be a lot of spoilers. So if you haven't read this book, you uh, you might want to come back to this, uh, this part of the podcast. Um, so our rating scale for this episode is going to be times that Tim has confused Dane with <laughs> Dane. <laughs> <laughs> ah, I like it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So yeah, finally read a comic, <laughs> a DC new DC comic lately. Because I will say right off the bat, I am behind. I need to catch up on Batman '89. I think I'm I'm just one issue behind on that. I fell behind on Batman: The Avengers Continue, and you know I haven't really been up to date with the main DC line of books. If anything. That captures my interest. I'm kind of waiting for it to hit DC Infinite now, like with the main Nightwing title by Tom Taylor, who wrote the book I will be reviewing on today's episode. But um, I'm just at this point now, I'm just waiting for stuff to go on the subscription based digital services. So, um, but there are books here and there that I really want to get right away. And this new one by Tom Taylor called Dark Knights of Steel is one that really caught my interest when it was first announced and wanted to get. Um, when it was released and it's pretty much the DC universe in medieval fantasy setting and right off the bat seeing the synopsis of it seeing the artwork uh, when it was first revealed I was like I'm all in this sounds really cool it looks really cool I'm gonna get it when it first comes out and so I did and I really enjoyed it (laughs) I think this is off to a really great start with how Tom Taylor is incorporating familiar DC characters, but yet putting them in a medieval setting. And it's not like it's the main characters got transported into a medieval time period or a fantasy setting. It's its own new, it's a brand new universe being created. Like this is the DC universe of this world. So um, I really like that it's going that way. It's just 
this is all these characters know this is their time period this is their universe so i did like that so it starts off on a very familiar event the destruction of krypton um we see Dorel and laura trying realizing the planet's going to be destroyed and they got to send baby kal-el away to earth but the twist on this one as we see the rocket go by you're thinking uh you're seeing the familiar origin story of superman but when the rocket crash lands on earth uh the ship opens and you don't only see kal-el you see jor-el and laura there <laughs> so superman and his parents both survived the destruction of krypton and they are on this earth set in the middle ages in in a world of fantasy and you see right off the gate that these uh soldiers come riding on horses discovering the ship and they're about to shoot them just without any questions and then Jarrell's pleading like no no my wife's in labor like you got don't shoot don't shoot he starts to get a little angry and nervous there and immediately the powers of the yellow sun kick in and he just shoots all those enemies those soldiers with his laser beams and as uh, Laura, Laura gives birth to Cal, he just says, he just tells her, you know, I think everything's going to be okay. We're going to be just fine here. And then, of course, the time moves past when they're adults and with their powers set in this medieval setting, they're ruling as king and queen. <laughs> they're the high family in this uh, DC universe. But yet um, it did establish that Black Lightning was a king in this universe, too, because um, it, it begins with this moment where you see john constantine looks like he's just a stable boy kind of having these visions and this prophecy um, about the events that looks like are going to transpire throughout this story so uh, it takes place or the story moves forward to where superman's an adult uh, and his parents are still alive uh, it's called dark knights of steel and you see the cover so batman's obviously going to be <laughs> the main character of this and we see him right away um, i just love his knight armor it's a really cool looking knight costume but yet his helmet is in the shape of a bat i mean it's, it's not the most original because we have seen some batman artwork and designs where he's dressed like a knight and so it's not fully original but i think this one it looks cool nonetheless i really like how his suit looks and he's pretty much on a crusade he serves obviously jor-el and laura as there is king and queen and he's pretty much on a crusade to rid magic in the kingdom um because we find out later that they don't say what exactly happened happened but um, I think someone with magical abilities uh, was responsible for his parents' death. So um, anyone who he seeks out anyone who may have these any type of powers uh, to to bring him. And not, he doesn't. Uh, they don't reveal. He didn't kill anyone in this issue, but they made a point to seem like that anyone he takes in, he just brings them to be put in prison. So, uh, but Tom Taylor kind of teased like in the next issue, they'll delve into whether this Batman uh, kills or not, because you know if you're a knight. Um, protecting your kingdom you might have to get your blade a little bloody in certain instances if there's any battles so we'll see if this batman does that but i did like how that's kind of his crusade and he does have um his still his allies the robins um that they didn't make clear too if like i don't think they're necessarily part of the kingdom where they're knights like batman but they're kind of just his help amongst uh the towns where they give him information and they operate there just under Batman. That's the impression I got. You did see Dick Grayson. You saw Duke Thomas. Uh, you saw Stephanie Brown, Jason Todd. And just kind of still having the familiar personalities we've seen from these uh, different uh, Bat family members. And they're trying to locate uh, this Banshee um, who Batman got word is in this town. And when he confronts the Banshee, it's revealed that it's Black Canary. <laughs> it makes perfect sense. 
Uh, so Batman goes to confront her and she lets out her classic canary cry and pretty much destroys the, the inn that she was staying in. But Batman somehow survives and he's like kind of questioning, like, how is he still alive and survive this? And but then Superman eventually comes in to help. And they establish that him and Superman kind of have a friendly relationship. Obviously, Superman is the prince of this kingdom. Uh, but still, that friendly relationship, but yet that kind of rivalry both of them have at the same time, which I felt uh, Tom Taylor captured even in this different era with these two characters here set in this medieval fantasy setting. So that's classic Batman super dynamic, Superman dynamic was on full display here. Um, so they end up bringing, capturing Black Canary and uh, they take her in to be put in prison. And Batman goes on to, and Superman gets in trouble uh, by Jarrell by going out. He wasn't supposed to go out. And he's making his plea that uh, he he was needed there to help stop Black Canary and Batman's trying to take full responsibility. But then Jarrell says something interesting to Batman where he goes, um, I would rather it would you be up here ruling than me. And that kind of took me by surprise. Like, huh, I wonder why he would say that. And then he tells Bruce, you know, let's go for a walk and have a talk. And there's been mentioning of someone called the Green Man who supposedly has these magical abilities. And as we see Jarrell and Bruce go on this walk, uh, we clip uh, go to another sequence with Green Arrow sitting on a treetop um, talking to someone called the Green Man, and you see a construct form of an arrow. So obviously this Green Man is a Green Lantern. We just don't know which Green Lantern yet. And it's kind of saying, you know, I'll provide you with the animal, but are you sure you can be able to hit your target? And Green Arrow is all like, obviously, like you don't have to worry about that. So we see Bruce talking to Jarrell. And this is where the biggest bomb drop of the story happens. And it's a different type. They're definitely going in a different way with these characters, which makes it exciting and interesting, especially set in this new setting. So Jorel talk kind of talks about how uh, Thomas and Martha Wayne and Bruce is actually a, a bastard child. They reveal that kind of he has a Jon Snow thing going in this one. <laughs> uh, there's definitely a Game of Thrones vibe uh, with that aspect. And then um, it gets revealed that why Bruce Bruce confesses to Jorel that you know he's gone up against Black Canary, he should have been killed by a cry, but this wasn't the first time he was been a, a hurt by like extreme circumstances, but yet it came out fine. And this is where Jorel tells him that yes, he is a bastard son, but he is Jorel's son. And as he said that, he gets that Green Lantern construct arrow shot right in his eye, and you're assumed to believe that he's dead, um, but again. He's Kryptonian, so we'll see if it's like Green Lantern created like a special Kryptonite construct arrow or what. We'll see. But um, as he says that, Bruce, you see Bruce just lets let out his anger, and you see the same type of heat vision come out of his eyes as you would see Superman. So yes, in this story, Bruce looks to be half Kryptonian, and he's going to be the half brother of Kal El, Superman, and that's where the issue ends. So <laughs> that. Uh, this again, that's why I love the story so much. A different, unique setting, which on his own is interesting, but then Tom Taylor is doing something different with these characters that I think you can only do in a story like this, where it's totally separate from the familiar stuff um, we're used to in the DC universe with Batman and Superman. And it's throwing all that stuff on its head. And I think it works in this type of story. Because again, like I said, that type of stuff with it's very Game of Thrones in that fantasy setting uh, where that worked with this, like, family situations and reveals that happen in the story here like we're getting here with bruce being revealed to be the son of jor-el so 
I can't wait to see what happens next. It's a 12 issue series. So hopefully it stays on track where it comes out every month because I hope it's not another doomsday clock situation. While I love that story to death, waiting for it was such a pain. (laughs) So hopefully this one won't be the case. Um, Yeah, the story was great. The artwork by Yasmin uh, Putri, hopefully I'm saying her name last name right, uh, was fantastic. I love the art style. It really captured that fantasy look really, really well. So overall, I say DC, the DC universe set in the medieval fantasy setting is a match made in heaven. <laughs> I loved it. So I'm going to go ahead and give this one um, a four and a half out of five Danes or four and a half out of five times Tim gets confused by Danes and Danes in the MCU, <laughs> which I think that's what we settled on, right? I couldn't remember. Too many Danes I, to keep track so. of. No, uh, so four and a half out of five Danes that Dane. <laughs> I don't know. There's too many Danes. We're getting confused here. Yeah. <laughs> this is the real multiverse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess that's it, right, Tim? Yeah, that's it for this one. All right, so just go over to BatmanUniverse.net, Facebook.com slash BatmanUniverse. Uh, the Twitter handle is at BatmanUniverse. Uh, show's Twitter handle is at BatFansPodcast. Tim's Twitter handle is at TimG3. What fun. My Twitter handle is at BatsOsBanana. Uh, rate reviews on iTunes. And email the show at BatFansPodcast at gmail.com. Like we say at the end of every single episode. Yeah. We love each and every one of you with all of our Dane and Dane in the MCU hearts. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one, Tim. We'll see you guys next time. See you next time, everybody. Yeah, bro's frightened.